Welcome, and thank you for joining us on this week's episode of 22 Motivational Minutes with Marlo, where we connect and collaborate with experts in their industries, published authors, and fascinating people. As a Chief Inspirational Officer, I'm focused on the development of people by unearthing their values, their talents, and their self-worth, otherwise known as that self-esteem factor, because people matter, self-worth matters, and time matters. When all of that aligns, everything works. And on this week's podcast episode, we have Aaron Peretti with us, and he is an innovation expert. And um, I'm really excited to to share this episode with you. And I just want to confirm that um, that you can all hear Aaron. So welcome to today's episode, Aaron. Hi, Marlo. It's great to join you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Okay, so who is Aaron? And let's just jump into this. You're an innovation expert who views innovation as a competency than an outcome. You have a title of a Chief Innovation Officer, and um, you've built and led Transamerica Life and Protection's Insights and Innovation Departments. You've developed six centers of excellence to identify, identify and exploit innovation opportunities, and you've led a division-wide effort to build an innovation culture in a 6,000-employee organization. And that innovation word, wow, that is just kind of at the forefront. And most of the listeners that are tapping in and listening to this today, they want to know how you're doing it. So you're a chief customer advocate, and um, you've been through some really wild success. That's where we want to jump in. So okay, <laughs> good stuff. So um, tell us and give us some insights in, um, in what you're doing in business. Well, I was uh, – you know, I never really meant to get into business, so um, I, I never really knew what I wanted to be when I grew up, and I just kind of followed the path that my career took me, and I think that's what I'm doing today is, uh, you know, I just have the values, uh, what I stand for, and I've put those out there, and I'm, I'm trying to see what kind of wind it'll catch, uh, and that's kind of how I've go- gone through my whole career at this point. So innovation wasn't something I ever planned on getting into or planned on becoming an expert in. Um, but through the values that I that I carried with, with myself throughout my corporate career, that's the direction it took me. Um, and I'm trying to do the same thing now in my post-corporate career where I'm approaching two years outside of corporate America uh, doing my own thing and really, like I said, just putting a sale out there of, hey, I can help people with solving complex problems and, uh, you know, let's see what kind of wind that catches. Absolutely. And you founded Adaptivity Enterprises, which is a consultancy with a mission to help the world thrive amidst accelerating pace of change. So, you know, change is a big word for for most everybody in business today. Talk about that a little bit and your insight there. Yeah, it it took me a while to figure out that I had a, a skill for being adaptable or adaptive to change. Uh, but I certainly, as anyone who would attest inside of corporate America, particularly financial services, there are changes everywhere and it's constant. And some people just don't have the ability to, to cope or to deal with it. Um, from my perspective, I always welcomed the change. You know, a few things that, that I always said was, you know, the best points in my career were, were when everything was falling or rearranging around me because it gave me a chance to build new bridges and build new constructs and, and create my own world. Uh, so I had this ability to become a change agent. Uh, and when I became Chief Innovation Officer of Transamerica, 
it was really important to define innovation in a way that was relatable to our employees. And the way I did that was through change as well. So innovation being the core business competency for dealing with the everyday aggressive pace of change. Uh, and that gave people kind of an understanding of, wait, innovation is a competency, it's not an outcome. We just have to understand what's changing around us and be very good at dealing with that change and we'll, we will thrive. And that's the same thing I'm now taking to my consultancy at Activity Enterprises where my goal is to help individuals or companies or whoever you know, I come across, help them understand how the world is changing around them, and then give them the tools and the instruction to thrive within that change. All right, and this is kind of where we intersect, right? So um, I came to the table as one of those people, you know, I'm in the people side of it. And um, when I was connected to you, Aaron, you have that ability to take the technical side. and Obviously, I, I shared, and we'll, we'll talk about this, you know, we created the Maverick Assessment, and that was with the launch of our new book, The Making of a Maverick, and it was a desire that I had to build out um, an action that somebody could take that kind of flushed through the fundamentals and the different um, concepts and strategies that I work around in the area of performance, and you were able to do that with me, and I would love the um, listeners, um, listen to how we approach that, and um, you know, and just some of the key elements. And I guess, you know, do you want to kind of start off on that and, and your, um, how you intersected that, um, that partnership that we led together? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was actually kind of funny how I even came about being somewhat in the business of assessment building. Um, when I was anointed with the title of Chief Innovation Officer at Transamerica, I thought my role would be to build high-tech innovation labs, you know, to strip the furniture out of conference rooms and throw beanbag chairs and easels in there and, and you know, my work would be done. But it turned out that innovation was a very human role and I didn't expect that. So what I had to deal with was change and deal with people's emotions around changing the status quo of the business and that became my job. And I stumbled across a paper that was written by McKinsey which described exactly what I was learning about innovation was that the most successful companies have very human traits. So they described the traits of these innovative companies and it had nothing to do with their location, you know, the, the facilities they had, but it was all about their culture and how their leaders approached people and interacted with the people and what was their trust, was their vulnerability within the culture. And these were all the lessons I was learning. So I took that paper and I actually created um, a, an innovation styles assessment, just out of personal interest only, that, that an individual could actually go through and try to understand what is their innovation style and how might they interact with others with differing innovation styles. Um, so I just did it as a, as a pet project, but some of my team members uh, took it and ran with it, and we actually pushed it out to the entire, uh, I, I think you mentioned we had 6,000 employees, we pushed it out into the entire employee base, and what we saw was that there was conversation around it, and everyone was taking this assessment, and they wanted to understand how they fit. So it was a really valuable tool for individuals within my corporation to relate to our innovation efforts. Um, so when you and I started talking, 
it was really the same type of experience, which was you had a, a whole new world, which to me at the time that I met you was, I, I, I couldn't yet ex- access it. I couldn't relate to it. Um, so you helped me over the course of several weeks try to see the patterns and what you were trying to promote, you know, the lessons that you're trying to inspire. Um, and, and we had a great kind of working partnership to come up with this assessment, which then allows a, a new user or an, uh, someone unfamiliar with your work or someone very familiar with your work to take a quick 20-question quiz and try to understand how they fit within the way that Marlowe sees the world. Uh, and it was a fascinating exercise. And, and uh, you know, I hope I can do more of that type of work because it really allows both of us to learn and then everyone who touches it can, can learn a little bit about themselves as well. Uh, yeah, and I, I'm just enamored through the process. I mean, that for me, you know, I was able to come to the table and said, you know, I really have a desire around this, but I was so tangled up in the approach, right? I knew that it could exist, but I had no understanding of how to, uh, you know, adapt that strategy. And it was so powerful, Erin, the way that, uh, you know, you came to the table and you were able to really take that idea, that concept, and that outcome and turn it into something, like you said, that it can serve other people. And that was the whole purpose of, of people to better understand, you know, where they're at and, um, you know, in the work that we do. And so I was really grateful. I mean, and it was such a cool experience for me to watch the development side and uh, listen to some of the language that you spoke when we were talking about development and, you know, and <laughs> it's, <laughs> the, the key elements of, you know, how to get it live and bring it to a website, oh, yeah, how to, yeah. you know for people to interact. And so that is a huge gift. And I know that there are people that are listening to this that are saying, oh my gosh, I'm interested. I too have a vision or a desire to bring that forward, but you just don't even know the approach or how to do it. And that's where um, you have a lot of power in that arena, Erin, because, you know, you're onto something there. And more and more, you know, it's, it's that deeper, richer thinking, something that we can um, connect to to bring ourselves um, better and forward into the world is just super powerful. So any other plugs or any other um, comments that you want to share about that or how other people can approach creating that for themselves? Well, the, one of the lessons I learned was that I had moments of fear as we were going through it as well. And I expressed some of these to you as we were going through um, I didn't have much experience at all with some of the web presentation tools that we were starting to explore. Right? I had this preconceived notion that this should be built in a traditional market survey, a market research survey tool. Um, and you know, through the, throughout the course of our dialogue, kind of you challenged me to, to rethink how this should be presented out and, and how would it fit within the product that you're putting out there? And that's where I got a little scared, but it was just a matter of pushing through and trying to understand, okay, what resources do I have available where I can learn a little bit more about different approaches that we can take? And I called upon a trusted advisor of my own uh, who, who helped me kind of think through how this might look in the absence of that market research tool. What, you know, given the constraints that, that, were imposed, which is, you know, we wanted to keep it very low cost, we want to keep it very simple. We had to discover the right tool. Um, so, you know, even for me, a lot of the a lot of the area we were exploring was was unknown. And so, you know, I don't think any of this is really unique to any skill set that I have. Really, the, the skill or, or, or the the talent maybe that I harnessed was this ability to not be scared of the unknown and, and to be willing to jump in. 
and recognize that I kind of only change when I'm uncomfortable. And so when I get that experience or that feeling of, oh, wait, I'm uncomfortable right here, that's when I know either something good is about to happen or something bad is about to happen. And I can try to steer it in the direction of good. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, because I'm, and I think that's a common word for you and I is, is challenge. Um, I'm always looking to stretch and to mold into something um, that I feel that I often feel is impossible. But that's where the synergy collides, and that's where when we were seeing it kind of come into play, and, and it was actually, we we're you know, bringing it out into the world. It was like, it was very powerful. And um, yeah, it was a great process for all of us, because I think we were all learning our way through. And yet, we came out with a product that you now have developed and that are sharing with more people. And um, there's a lot of power in that. So um, I'm very grateful from this end to be um, to have you as part of the team and to bring that uh, that body of work forward. So very accomplished. And you know, like I said, everything's a building feature. Like this is phase one. I I yeah. see this going many places, and um, not just stopping here. But you know what? We uh, we got our feet wet. We have figured out phase one, and um, the best is still yet to come in my eyes with the whole you know the process and the growth of it. So. Um, Talk to me now. You're stepping out, and you have created um, today's innovator.com, which is going to be coming to life pretty quickly. Let's talk about that. You're you're going to be a published author. You're positioning a new format into the industry. Take us behind the curtain there for a little bit. Why do you desire to do it, and what's the value um, on the other side? Well, sure. Um, I was always kind of disenfranchised by corporate. Structures. Even though I worked for 17 years in corporate structures, I needed to get out. I needed to escape. I needed to discover what I could become uh, if I wasn't so constrained. So over the course of the last two years, I, I kind of used the first year to really just explore what are the things that I keep coming back to, particularly in the context of the way that our world is changing so quickly. Um, so I've remained engaged with uh, former colleagues and new colleagues uh, to help them continue to, to grow in that light. Um, and that got me to the point where you know, a lot of people along the way said, you should write a book about this. And uh, I, I'd given it some thought, but kind of the block and tackle corporate innovation book of today's innovator um, seems a little bit trivial to me, but the more that I talk to people and the more they reassure me, hey, this is not trivial stuff. This is stuff that people will really benefit from. The more I'm getting excited about putting it all together and putting it together in a context that is relatable to the reader. So the, the reason it's called Today's Innovator is because it's lessons for the person who's sitting inside of an organization trying to innovate. Um, instead of giving all the answers about what innovation is and how a corporation can do it, it really will talk to the individual about how do you need to show up, you know, what's required of you in order to thrive, or what does the organization need, for you, need you to be as an innovator to achieve its vision, and it's going to be targeted at that today's innovator. Okay, and this so, is – go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. So – you know, this brings to light, and this is a conversation you've got to share with everybody. You know, you are a catalyst to a program, the Intrapreneur, right? Yeah. Kind of got some synergy and some creativity and some collaboration that is happening there. Can you take us a little bit behind the scenes into that approach and, and why, um, why that's happening and 
um, and like you're part of it. Yeah, so there's a program in uh, Cedar Rapids, Iowa called the Entrepreneur Academy that has recently launched, and I've been helping to design and and think about how the participant in that program will grow. You know, what is the course, what is the path for a participant to become what we call an entrepreneur, not an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur, which is that person who has that uncanny ability to get things done inside of, a, of today's complex, matrixed, multinational, political organization. So that is an entrepreneur. It's someone who understands the inner workings of a, uh, of a complex corporation and is able to get things done in spite of <laughs> all of the gravity or all of, all of the uh, inertia that is pushing against them that does not want that organization to change. So the Entrepreneur Academy is really an effort to take uh, cohorts of, of, of individuals through a, a one-year-long training session to, to improve their skill set to make them more capable at innovating inside of organizations, which is, you know, it's not a trivial thing, and that's what I've learned by continuing to talk to people about what I'm trying to do here. Uh, everyone seems to be fascinated and, and wants to learn more about it. Absolutely. So, what are the components? Are there are there clearly defined components of an entrepreneur? In like, there sections or categories? I don't know if components is the word. That you kind yeah, of step well, there absolutely through. are. Um, okay. Kind of. Just like it was with the assessment, you know, you have to make the information uh, relatable and accessible to the audience. And so putting it into compartments or components is, is absolutely the way that you want to do that. Um, so the way that I'm thinking about how you are become a successful entrepreneur is, A, you need to understand your organization's purpose and vision and strategy. And how is, it going, how is your organization planning on achieving its vision? If you don't know the answer to that question, you cannot be successful as an innovator uh, because everything you, you do will not be right. You know? But if you do understand that what actions you need to take to help the organization achieve its vision, uh, then strategically you know that you're at least moving in the right direction. Uh, the second big kind of compartment is, is culture. And this is, these are the hard lessons that I learned as an introvert, as a quant geek, who did not want to deal with people who just wanted to innovate, right? I just wanted to roll up my sleeves and innovate. Right. The cultural resistance and roadblocks that present themselves when you're trying to change an organization, even though it's for the better, are insurmountable if you don't have the tools and techniques to deal with them. Um, and I didn't know. I, you know. I had to learn all those lessons the hard way. And I didn't want to have resistance. You know, I wanted to please everyone. Uh, but what I realized, the big lesson, the big aha moment for me was whenever I had no resistance, that meant I was still in the status quo of my company. So that also meant then that I was not changing fast enough. Oh, wow, that is so powerful right there. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so that's the challenge for today's innovator is to meet the resistance. You always yeah. have to be pushing, and it's it's stressful. It's not for everyone, but uh, right. if you know how to do it and you, if you have the, the toolkit to deal with it, um, it can be very rewarding. Absolutely. It's a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, every company needs it, so it is the game changer for the companies, <laughs> and then for the individuals, if you possess that skill set, you can do anything. Absolutely. Okay, so purpose, culture, what else? Goes into that. I guess the third, the third big piece is 
the system. So you know you have to view a organization as a system and try to understand why does it today achieve the results that it achieves and then ask yourself the question, if I want to achieve different results, in what ways does the system need to change? And certainly the strategy and the culture are big, you know, essential parts of the system, but there's also um, the, just, you know, the, the ideas of, of how do you actually innovate? What processes do you use? What methods do you use? How do you govern decision making? How do you accelerate decision making? Um, those are all parts of the innovation system that an innovator will need to install and work within in order to get things done. Mm. So yeah. if you have those three pieces, those are the three big pieces. This understanding the strategy of the, of the company, understanding the cultural aspects of the company, the identity, who they are, and how to get things done, and then ultimately designing a system that will achieve new and different results, you're done. It's easy. Yeah. Well, but this is why you're such a delight to work with, because you have the, the ability to, to break it down like that. You take that really big um, obstacle and solidify it, break it down in a way that's very attainable. That is a huge gift. That's what we're all listening to you describe today as, as um, you know, an innovation expert and, you know, somebody who's, who's been in corporate and also somewhat of a freedom lawyer, right? Like you kind of want to chart your own path, but, you've, you know, there's so many inner workings that, um, that come to light here. So let's, let's go back to the beginning. Can you share a bit of like your background story, Aaron, and how you got to this place or, um, you know, what, what allowed you to get to the space that you're in right now? Well, it's been a wild ride, Marla. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I never knew and I still don't know what I wanted to be when I grew when I grew up. And I think that was part of what got me to this place. And, and I described this in our intro section a little bit too my values are very free thinking. You know, I'm very free thinking, uh, change oriented, if not even a change agent and always trying to continuously improve the, the situation around me, trying to assess the reason for what's going on. And, you know, and I found this ever since my, you know, my high school days when I was trying to understand what did the students want out of their high school experience. And, you know, there was, there was a point in time where, I was a little bit frustrated about the whole high school experience, and I kind of said, wait, if I'm frustrated, why don't I just run for class president and fix everything? <laughs> so that, that's what I did. <laughs> and for the, my final two years of, of high school, I was class president. And it was never something I was planning on doing. It was just my value set was, hey, I can't sit back and be a victim of the circumstance that I find myself in. I'd rather control the outcome. Uh, and be part of the change. And that's a much better position, at least for me, to be in. And I, I found that pattern recurring throughout my life of landing in a place where there's complexity, there's a little bit of chaos, there's a little bit of, of disorder, and I find myself making offers to try to make sense of the disorder and, and pull the whole organization out of it. I did it at, you know, at a summer camp that I worked at for a few years. Um, and then again, at Capital One, my first employer, you know, I got involved in the innovation world because I wanted to help make sense of how does, how is Capital One, this very innovative company going to become even more innovative? And I kind of got it, got at the forefront of that. And then when I got into Transamerica, I ended up doing the same thing and, and following this path all the way up to chief innovation officer. 
but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't something that I ever went to school for. It wasn't something that I, stu- I studied math in school just because it was something that I was good at. Mm-hmm. Uh, but never with an end in mind. The end was always right in front of me. <laughs> and, and it was this idea of let me address the complexity that I see right in front of me and see what sense I can make out of it. Okay. That is amazing. Okay. Here's the thing. We are going to rob our listeners. If you do not share how you cross the bridge of like, um, give us the story though, Aaron, and, and kind of as we're going into closing, you know, you were in corporate, you had a, somewhat of a goal in mind, how you approached that. And then what the last 24 months, you know, like how did you segue into what you've been doing? You've referenced the last two years. You know, yeah. um, take us into that space. We want to hear because that's very inspiring. Yeah, it was very unorthodox the way I approached that. I pretty much told everyone from age 21 when I first started in a corporate job or 22, whatever it was, I said, this is not the setting for me. I know that I can be and, and discover something else for myself. I'm going to escape corporate gravity by age 40. And I, I vocalized that at, at age 22, probably it was. And then I kind of, at every step along the way, I continued to tell all the new people that I met, all the new leaders that were working with me, hey, I'm going to leave when I'm 40. I'm going to give you the best of who I am until that time. But I'm working towards, and I built this really robust, I guess you would call it a retirement plan. I'm working towards escaping corporate gravity by age 40. No one really took me seriously until kind of I turned 38, then 39, and I was still saying it. <laughs> um, and that, that's when it, it became very real. Um, but I had achieved the financial goals that I had laid out. And, you know, corporate work can be very financial re, financially rewarding if you, continue, if you continually grow in your career and, and get promoted and that was my motivation, but it wasn't the motivation for life. It was the motivation to get to that point at age 40 where I could then kind of drop everything, be free of the corporate shackles or reins and try to discover who I want to be, and, and have, but also have all this rich experience you know, to build, uh, to fall back upon and to, to utilize going forward. So that's been my journey uh, was, was to always – and, and you know, I have a loving wife who's very supportive, who's, who has allowed that all to happen as well. Um, and, and it's worked yeah, very well at this point. And I don't know what, what tomorrow holds. I don't know what next year holds because the whole point of my business is just to continue to explore and discover uh, where it might take me. Wow. I, you know, I just think that is so inspiring because you did. You had an end in mind. And you were going to do whatever it took to get there. And the mantra, because, you know, I've got those maverick mantras, um, speak what you want to see. And you yep. adopted that at 22 years old, that you just kept speaking it because you wanted to see it. And that's all you did. And that literally got you to that space. And, you know, it's kind of hard to get people to traction towards, you know, the power of how that can work. But it does. It absolutely can work. And so you had put yourself on a really great um, journey. And, and I love when you share that story because it's so rich in content as, you know, entrepreneurs that are listening out there, business owners, you know, that that's possible. Now, before I leave you, I want to you know, get the, the answer to this question, though. Okay, so you always talked about 40. Did you have a sense inside you, Aaron, that there was something yet to come or that, that there was like a pivotal moment that was going to happen once you hit that 40? your mark 
was it a well, money goal or is it like yeah a you know I, I, it started out as a very quantitative goal where okay. you know just projecting my salary forward projecting my living expenses forward assuming i would have two kids assuming my wife would have a salary it turned out to be very accurate <laughs> the, the, the financial projection uh, okay. and there were some milestones that i was hoping to achieve um you know paying off a house, making sure I'd be secure in retirement, um, supporting my wife so that we continued, that she could continue to thrive in her career uh, and making sure that, that she was set up for success there because that was such an integral part of, of my success going forward as well as, as being supportive of her and making sure that you know, we, we continue to have the income that's necessary to live and we're a slave to health insurance, right? So we need to have that. Um, but then it, you know, it moved past the quantitative milestones. Once I realized those were attainable, it, it became more about the qualitative. Um, this idea that I felt judged all the time in corporate America. I felt like every work product I produced, someone had to weigh in and say something about it. And that becomes very stressful over time. Um, I, I think the word for it is is art. I wanted to be an artist, which is to create things that would go unjudged. And that's what I've spent the last 24 months doing. And it wasn't until very late in my journey that I started to put that language, that qualitative language around what I was really doing, which was I need to escape this, this place where I could not, I wasn't free to create whatever it was that I wanted to create. You know, and if I created a PowerPoint presentation in corporate America, 15 people had something to say about it, and we made edits, and you know, it was, at the end of the day, it wasn't my product. Mm. Um, and, and people were judging my work, and if I put my best effort into it and then someone still says it's not good enough, that's very disappointing. But in this new world that I've created for myself, if I put my best effort into something and someone doesn't like it, so what? You're a rock star. Uh, I'm not being judged for it anymore. <laughs> like they can judge me, but I don't feel judged. <laughs> and I so love that, it. That's very freeing to have that kind of sense of, hey, I can put a website out there. I can put this speech, this talk together, and if people don't like it, they don't like it. I love it. That's why you're maverick. That's why I love you, Aaron. You are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I could just talk to you all day because, yeah, you've got, you know, you're very responsible. And so like, as you shared that story, when you're getting, you know, to the financial goals and the retirement at 40, you know, you were super responsible in your approach, but yet you had this inner drive of just being a freedom warrior and just, you know, um, unbridled spirit of what you knew you could do with life and how you really truly wanted to approach it. But yet you were very responsible in the process you took to get there. And I think that's what makes you so rich um, as an individual and as a strategist and as, um, you know, the person that you are, why you're such an asset. Because you come with, with infinite strategy towards um, what, what it is you're trying to, you know, achieve. So good lessons for all of us. Okay, my friends, so we're coming into the close. So to learn more about Erin, you can visit our website at MarloHiggins.com where you can learn how to obtain Erin's future book. It is probably going to be released in 2018. Is that right, Erin? Uh, <laughs> yeah, no no promises. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you can connect to Erin's resources and add him to your circle of influence. Um, before we leave, is there a way that we can find you? If people listen to this, is, you know, what's your website? How can we contact you, Erin? 
Uh, the, the easiest way is LinkedIn. I'm always on. I'm posting things. I'm always connecting with new people. Um, but if you want to visit my website, certainly www.adaptivityenterprises.com and very soon, uh, todaysinnovator.com. So that should come out within the next month or so. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. So thank you for being on with us today, and um, we really appreciate that. No, it was my pleasure. This was a blast. <laughs> we invite you to share this podcast with others, and we thank you in advance for your partnership. This is Marlo Higgins, your host and Chief Inspirational Officer. Have an awesome rest of your day. Thank you. Goodbye.